I'm Emma Cartmel and this is Love Life, Live Well, the lifestyle magazine for your ears. I hope that by listening you learn something new, I hope that you try something new and above all else I hope that you love your life and remember to live well. So I'm here today with Patrick Kapolinski from Carden Park. Morning Patrick. Good morning, good morning, how are you? I'm very good. How are you? I'm very good. Thank you. I have so many questions for you. So let me dive in and ask you first, what do you love about life? I think the thing that I love the most about life is people that I surround myself with and uh, my dog. That's what I love the most about life. Yeah. Who keeps you or makes you happy the most? I'm thinking probably the dog. (laughs) I would say so, yes. But people are the crucial part of my life and this is the most interesting and and, uh, fantastic part of it to be able to talk to different people and, you know, be privileged of having that type of job that allows me to, you know, fulfill myself with it. Absolutely, absolutely. Before we get into um, your role, which I'm very excited to talk to you about, tell me um, before that, what do you do to live well? I think that the thing that really allows me to live well and keep well and feel well is exercise. It's very good for my body, but it's very good for my head, for my mental health. It's one of these things that we need to focus a bit more about. And I think exercise is a great step to to do that so yeah exercise absolutely absolutely um so let's talk about wine first of all tell me what your role is at Carden Park so I'm a head sommelier for the hotel uh which means I work in a different department but solely focusing on wine service or drink service but I also am a manager for the fine dining outlet which is the uh the vines itself okay and when we hear the word sommelier for me, I always think of uh, somebody who is an expert on wine that can advise you about kind of wine pairing, but I'm imagining there's quite a lot more to it than that. So what does the role kind of entail? It's it's not only wine, it's drinks in general on a whole beverage running of the hotel. But the wine is a huge part of it. When you study wine and you, you study to become a sommelier, you just study a lot of wine. It's a lot of book reading and history um, but I think sommelier is not only a person who sells the wine, we sell the experience. We don't we don't always sell just wine itself. It's the story behind the wine that we know of and we can allow you to travel to that place without even moving from your table. So that's what we do. We just sell the experience and the story of the people that made that bottle for you. Wow, yes, that's that's really um well amazing. Um what what got you into wine then and ox well and being sommelier, what kind of inspired you? I'm I'm from Poland, I'm from Warsaw. And then my first job I've ever had when I was sixteen, I worked in this very boutique shop with this very high quality Italian produce. And there was this shelf in the very back of the shop with the wines and everyone was really scared of selling it because we didn't understand it. And it always sticked in my head. And when I moved to UK and I worked in restaurant, I just thought, this is the only part of my job, which I don't know what I'm doing. I need to learn about wine. And I just decided to go to London. I studied wine in the UK Similar Association. And um, it's, I think it's just being curious. If you're a curious person, you, you want to learn about different things. And I just wanted to better myself. And wine was just a, like a very natural thing for me. Wow. Yeah. I do often wonder kind of where we, you know, what 
what drives people to do certain things or end up in a certain certain job. Um, so did you, I guess you travel a lot. So my, I was wondering if you had a favourite wine itself or a favourite region or, or what have you. Do, you. do you have your favourites? Yes and no. So this is one of the questions I never know what to say because I, I, I've... <laughs> I enjoy the wine depending on what weather it is or what type of the year or what I'm eating. But my favorite region in the world is Italy. It's because it's kind of an emotional country for me. It's it's a country that connects to my family in some ways. I would always vacation there. And wine is, enjoying wine is enjoying some type of memory, the flavor, you know, the flavors, the aromas. So for me, anything from north of Italy is something I would always go for, especially sparkling wines from there, like a Francia Corta, or these type of wines that give you uh, this freshness. Uh, and I just remember them, you know, it was probably f- first of wines I've ever tasted in my life. So um, it's just the good memories with the good wines. That's all. North of Italy is the, is the, the area for me to go. Sentimental, I'm going to say. It's a sentimental choice. Yes, yes. So let me get into um, ordering wine from a sommelier because I think there's lots of myths that we can bust today and then you can give us some some top tips as well, which I'm always interested in. But is it only for people who have money, people who want to spend a lot of money on a bottle of wine? No, the, my services are for anyone who's paying for the bill. It doesn't matter if you want to pay £22 or £122 or £1,000. It's It's... It does not matter. What's very important is that you've been cl- quite clear about what you enjoy and what you want to drink. And then I will always try to find a solution. So, no, it's for everybody. Any guest that walks through the door should be able to use my knowledge because I'm basically hired to help you choose what you want to drink. And that's one of my questions as well was around what what's the best way to give you information about what we like? So if, for example, I say, oh, I normally drink a Sauvignon Blanc, is that helpful or not helpful? It is helpful. I'm, depending on where, I, then I would go deeper into it. I say where you buy it from or what country of origin you prefer. Do you prefer Chilean or New Zealand? Do you like uh, Sauvignon from South Africa? Because all of these areas will have a different flavor characteristic and sensations. So yes, it's helpful, but I would strongly encourage anyone whoever walks in through the door and the sommelier is present, play with it. Use us use to find something completely different that you've never tried before because you might just open yourself for a completely different experience and you might love it. We're always going to have wines on, um, you know, on um, in a bottle that we can always give a little taste of and then we can always find a solution. And I always try to go for something completely different because it's just this enjoyment of trying new things. This is amazing part of wine industry and i guess where else could you get all that free information and advice about different wines that you might like exactly the only way to do it is to go to the shop and then they, they will speak to you about it but they won't have a lot of different wines to taste so use us we're there for you and if you want to try something different just ask me is it possible could i try a little glass of this or could i try a little glass of that and i can tell you 99 percent out of the time we would say yes no, that's interesting because I think we we forget that we can that we can do that. And when we ask if we get a bottle of wine brought to our table, mm-hmm. and we're asked if we like to taste it, so not from a perspective of oh, I'd like to try that to see if I like it. What are we tasting for? Are we tasting to see if we 
we like it. Is it is it okay to send a bottle back, or is it more to see if it's corked and such like? So, what, what are we tasting the wine for? Okay, so when you taste the wine, the only thing you need to do is smell it. You don't need to taste it because you will know right away if the wine is corked or not. Because it would smell a bit like a wet dog or wet cardboard or, you know, when you walk into the woods in like end of September and everything is wet and you can smell that musty aroma, that's what corked wine would smell of. If you taste the wine and if you don't like the flavour of it, there's nothing I can do. Because it's about the transaction between myself and yourself. You will taste it. You say, okay, it, it's not what I love to drink, but I, I ordered it. The other thing is, that's why I always say, try to ask the sommelier to taste already open bottle because that's very possible. They would have an open bottle of a specific wine. We can always give you a f- taste before we open a bottle for you. Brilliant. Perfect advice. That's, that's fantastic. And that brings me to my next question. Should you taste wine that comes from a screw cap because then it can't be corked, is what I'm thinking. It can. Oh, it can? It can. Because it corked, it doesn't mean that it got nothing to do with the cork itself. I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't. So the corked wine is the fungus which grows in a cork itself. It's called TCA. And that fungus can spread throughout the vineyard, regardless if you use cork or not. So the wine will be tinted, that's it. Regardless if you put a cork on it or, or, or a screw cap, it might be tinted anyway, so you can't really you you can you can affect other wines even if you don't use the cork. Now, these wines will not smell very bad, but they will have no flavor because it's like a little amount of TCA in a wine will take away all the flavor and all the aromas from the wine. So, if it's got a screw cap, we're tasting to see if it has taste, and if it doesn't, then you can send it back. And if it's got a cork, it will smell like the woods or a wet dog. <laughs> or like very um, long-washed, uh, like cabbage, cabbage, or cooked cabbage, which is never nice. Or like cooked cabbage. Never nice. You know straight away. That's that's the most important thing, isn't it? It's not harmful in any way, shape, or form. It will not affect your body. It's just very unpleasant, that's all. <laughs> super, super. And another question uh, I often get told that people think about is... How do we give a budget? Because what I've done before is I've gone into a restaurant and kind of just said, oh, can you, usually in price order. Yes. So I might put my hand over the kind of where my budget is and say, oh, can you choose a wine for me above this, you know, above this price point kind of thing. What else can we do to kind of just let you know, is, is it okay to say, hey, this is my budget? I think people get a bit embarrassed about saying, I might only have 30, 30 pounds. I don't think people should feel embarrassed because I... Bear in mind, I'm a sommelier. I am not a rich person myself, so I'm not going to a restaurant and spending £2,000 a bottle. I would openly say, I have £40 tonight for the wine. Could you help me to choose something in that budget? And I'd be more than happy because for me, there's nothing worse than a sommelier who pushes wine that is extremely expensive on people that they don't know what they buy. They will not say anything and they leave the restaurant and never come back. This is, I find it just rude. You need to be open and say, okay, I have 50 pounds. I have 60 pounds. I have 30 pounds. And we find something for you. It's just about communication. And if you, the good idea, what you just said, if you, let's say on a date and you're trying to impress someone, but you don't want to talk about money, you can show it the finger. 
and we will understand. We are very, we're good at reading people. So we will not embarrass you in any way, shape or form. I will work around your needs because you come in here and you're paying for the experience, which I need to provide. And part of this experience is being smart about what you're talking to, what you're saying to people and how you interact with people, with the guests. Yeah, I hadn't thought about that. If you're trying to impress somebody, <laughs> a date or not, it could even be a business meeting. If you're trying to just give some guidance about what you've got, it's a good way just to, to indicate some way, kind of, that's that's where my budget is. I've never thought about that one. That's, that's um, good advice as well. Uh, the other thing I would recommend is you can always contact restaurant prior. I would easily work with that. If you contact us prior saying this is the amount of money and then I would choose three wines, I would come over to you and I wouldn't talk about money at all. I would just only talk about wine. And no one will ever know how much it costs if people feel embarrassed. You know, there's always a, a ways around it. Absolutely, absolutely. That's that's really good. Now, let's talk about British wines because you're the sommelier or head sommelier at Carden Park and you have your own vineyard. Are British wines as good as... New Zealand or South Africa, are they better? What, what's your take on, on British wines? They're different. They're different. Uh, if you notice, most of the wines that are, are produced in UK, they're sparkling wines. And normally you can find them in South of UK. The South of UK wines are very particular because of the particular soil. It's called Kimmeridgian soil. It's from Kimmeridge. And the same soil follows through to France to the Champagne region. So it's a very good soil to grow like Chardonnay, Pinot Noirs. But um, we are growing a bit of different grape varieties here. We're close to Wales. So it, it's really up north for us. And um, maybe 20 years ago or 30 years ago wasn't possible. But now the weather's changing so much. There's a global warming, unfortunately, but it, it affects their industry. And we can now grow the grapevines. And we're very lucky here at the garden because we have a whole group of um, people who take care of the estate. So they trained in uh, vine growing. And we do, uh, we, we forage um, approximately, collect approximately 8,000 tons of grapes every year. So that's quite a bit. Um, but we're still quite small production, you know. Uh, we don't make so many of these wines. That's why we only sell them within a hotel. We don't do any retail because we want to make sure that we keep this little gem just for our guests, not to, you know, not everyone can buy it, basically. Yes, yes. And I should actually point out, because we have a lot of listeners uh, in America and in fact, all over the world. So they probably know that England is quite a cold place comparatively anyway. Uh, but in the north of England, like you said, it's more tricky because it's colder up north as well. So it's even more tricky to grow Yes. So it's, it's cold and a bit wet and the grapes don't really like when it's wet because it's, it can affect them with the different, you know, um, diseases. And, you know, it's, it's very hard to grow grapes here, but we have a fantastic team, which really take pride in it. That's why, you know, the wine is good quality. You know, it's traditional methods, nine months aging that gives you this freshness, but it gives you the complexity. So yeah. Absolutely. I did actually have a taste at an event recently, uh, so I, I can uh, vouch for it. Yes, it was very, very nice and, uh, yes, very enjoyable. So apart from the UK then, what other regions would you say are trending at the moment? Is there anything that's kind of really popular right now? For me, the countries and areas of the world that are getting a hip, you know, and getting this really good 
um, name for themselves is Armenia. Um, generally speaking, Eastern Europe, including like Poland. I'm Polish myself, and I know that they make more and more better quality wines. Um, Bulgaria, which is a very interesting part. Romania, this is where the wine actually is from, these parts of the world. It's just, it's been forgotten. And people would, people would always make wine in there. It's just they would make it for themselves. They wouldn't sell it. And now you have European Union trying to invest money into these areas because they know that in 20, 30, 40 years, all these vineyards in France and Italy will stop existing because of the global warming and it's getting warmer there. No one wants to pay a lot of money for wines with such a high ABV and big body. So they need to find outlets elsewhere. That's why Eastern Europe is the, the places to look out for because they will, they will focus on their grape growing much more now and, and they're getting more money from the European Union. It's being pumped into them to create these vineyards and places of work. So Eastern Europe, definitely. I'm going to say Poland because I'm Polish, but they do have good wines in Poland. And I was actually in Poland, um, uh, actually just before the, the pandemic and a uh, fantastic place, I have to say. So um, in well, Poland, for example, do you find little vineyards you can go and visit like you do often in France you can go to the caves and do wine tasting is, is it the same in Poland absolutely and in, yes but you need to remember that in in Italy and France yeah, there's a lot of really big vineyards really big corporations that you know they have a lot of money in Poland it's a very different vibe it's about sustainability it's about the green practices and i'm not talking about greenwashing it's actual green practices they are being biodynamic which is one of my favorite way of growing grapes um they are being very focused about the future of the future generations and this is beautiful to see and it's mostly young people which is great as well because they create these spaces not only for themselves but for other people to come and visit so if someone ever wants to go and see these vineyards you should because it's so much fun and i'm talking poland is just the beginning of it but go to like bulgaria or romania we have some romanian wines on the menu here and they're amazing it's just another level they need to try it as twice hard as french because they know that they're being watched and they're being judged. So for them to have a good wine, it's really good wine. Is there any wines that you can recommend that are in the supermarkets from that region, if people want to kind of give it a go? Where, if you want to go out and buy a Romanian wine, where would you start? So think about native grapes. Don't buy Sauvignons from them, because what's the point? Fetash Caragala, Furmit, these are the grapes that they know how to make because they've been doing that for centuries. And they are coming back. So anything that is native is good. Hungarian makes amazing food meats, and it's not only sweet style. You can do it in a dry if you prefer dry. Uh, then Romania has Fetash Karagala, which is indigenous to them. They do have Muscato Tonel, which is like a blend, but it's still very, very good quality. They are very good with blending wines because they know that not every grape will grow to the way they want it or they, it should no, it won't be as ripe. So they need to play with the different grapes to create this kind of balanced flavor. And it works out. I've put on um, on a taster menu in the vines, I've put one of the Romanian wines, and it's probably the most popular one. And I always try to incorporate it into the taster because people not want to know the story. People want to know, oh, actually, they make wine in Romania. It's very interesting. It doesn't have to be France or Italy only, you know. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, you have inspired me, I have to say, Patrick, to... A, come and have 
dinner so I can try. <laughs> I can try some of the wines that you're recommending, but also to have a lookout for, yeah, Eastern European wines. You heard it here first, everybody. It's a, it's a place to be. It's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you, Patrick. Always a pleasure meeting you too. So thank you very much. Thank you for listening to this episode of Love Life, Live Well. If you enjoyed it, we'd really love it if you could give us a five-star review and subscribe to the podcast. That way you won't miss a single episode and it really does help us to attract more and more guests to the show. I have loved recording these podcasts. I found our guests so interesting and inspiring. I hope you have too. If you've had any aha moments or takeaways, please do share in the comments. We'd love to hear from you, even if it is just one word to tell us how you feel. Mm -hmm.